The Blaze Radio Network. On Demand. 2017 is going to be a volatile economic year. We may see politicians throughout the world attempting to control central bank policies. Several renowned financial analysts have warned that political interference in central bank policies may mean our economic misses of inflation and growth targets. Gold is an international currency that can't be issued or controlled by governments. If you don't have the only hard currency that has outlasted every politician and every failed idea of governments for centuries, you need to speak to Goldline right now and learn how easy it is to add gold to your portfolio or IRA. Now is the time to diversify your financial portfolio by adding gold. Call 1-800-913-GOLD. Buying real gold is easy and fast at Goldline. And you're going to be happy that you finally made the call. 1-800-913-4653. Goldline also offers price protection against short-term market fluctuations on qualifying purchases. So buy with confidence. Read Goldline's important risk information and find out if buying gold is right for you. Call Goldline. 1-800-913-4653. And now, the Blaze Radio Network presents 40 Acres and a Fool. Here's your host, Cam Edwards. Greetings from the near frontier, Cam Edwards and Missy with you here on another edition of 40 Acres and a Fool by the the campfire. The blazing fire Yes, the blazing fire. Uh, You may be able to hear the crackle going a little bit stronger than I was anticipating. We got a little bit of rain earlier today, and so I, was, I wasn't I was thinking it was going to be quite that dry and flamey, but that's flamelicious. Well, there's a lot of dry wood around here that we managed to pick up in trying to do uh, farm chores yesterday in anticipation of mowing the lawn. That's true, but uh, yeah, that's a good fire. So welcome, uh, and hopefully you've had a wonderful Easter weekend and a, a wonderful Passover. Uh, it has been a fairly uneventful week. Here on the farm, we haven't we we still haven't seen anything from the peppers that you planted. Like what was that? Two weeks ago now, right? Yeah. Well, it took a while for some of the tomatoes to germinate too. You're gonna have to put that out. I'm putting that out. Okay. Um, so the tomatoes are doing really well. I actually went ahead yesterday and split out a lot of them and uh, pulled out some of the smaller, weaker ones, put some of them into their own little containers, rearranged some of the tomatoes. Number 14 never germinated at all, so that one got a pass. We had a couple other ones that we had maybe like one pot out of three. We got a plant or two. But, yeah, nothing with the pepper plants yet. But the beets... You can totally see little rows of beet greens coming up. When you know what that means, we need to weed and thin next weekend. I know, I know, yeah. Which which kind of sucks because we uh, the beets are coming up nice and and strong. The carrots, I still haven't seen. They're pretty invisible. So right now we give a to the carrot tape idea. Right. Uh, We'll have to try that gel that uh, that Trent talked about next year because the carrot tape. Yeah. Speaking of which, please don't think I forgot about anything. I got. I got. I got. uh, uh, Other project itis. Uh, as far as finishing the baby set for the Trent family mm-hmm. and and baby coming on board, um, because I I kid two just had a birthday that went past. He turned twenty six. Well, I came to the realization about a month or so ago that I had never knit him anything. Like I didn't knit when he was little, and as a kid growing up, to be honest, it was a lot cheaper to buy a pair of boys t you know, buy a pair of blue jeans and a t-shirt from the local cheap store than to try to make him clothes. Right. And you know, you can make a lot of cute little girls' dresses and rompers and outfits and stuff. You just can't sew a lot of boys' clothes. So he didn't get a lot of homemade growing up. 
And then when I learned to knit, he was nine going on ten. Well, I relearned to knit, and he didn't want anything homemade, and I didn't want to knit him anything because he was growing like a weed. So I had been knitting him a sweater, mm. and I was trying to work crazily to get it to the deadline, <laughs> which was his birthday about four days ago, and I'm not there. I'm, I still got a second sleeve to get done, but that's why the, the Trent Baby Project, the blanket, everything's done. I just have to sew the zipper into the sweater, so it's not like he's going to fit it at a, at a birth anyway. It's got a couple of, it's, gonna, <laughs> it, it's a sweater that he'll grow into after a couple of months, but it's still one of those, like, it's there, it's made, it's sitting on my dresser. It's just there's a, this finishing touch, but I really wanted to try to get that sweater finished for his birthday. So, All right, so uh, Baby Marsh will have his sweater and blanket. It'll he will. Just... And he has a, oh, there's a bonus uh, hat and booties set because I had uh, had some sock yarn laying around earlier, and I just made a pair of booties because I had gotten out of practice, and I, I had a pair of, I guess I made them thinking, well, I need a baby present somehow, and they're blue and they're so cute. So, yep. Nice. Yeah. But I, I had a crazy thought yesterday because I, I love, I love our ride-on mower. Yeah, it, it's still a lot of work. It is, and it's tiring, but it's a heck of a lot less work than if we had to push mow everything here. Right. But yesterday it was funny. It was like at the very tail end of my crazy drive around the lawn. So we don't have a zero turn mower. No, we, we do have not. we have a, a lawn tractor kind of lawn garden tractor they call it, mm-hmm. and it has a pretty wide deck. But you can't make tight turns. Not particularly. And no. so when you're when you're used to growing up and, and mowing your little rectangle, you 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 mow your lawn with your lawnmower going back and forth in little strikes. <laughs> but you you can't mow a lawn with a lawn tractor with a 54-inch cutting deck in little stripes, especially when you have trees and bushes all over the place. Right. So it looks like, to do a good job, <laughs> you look like a crazy person yes. on drugs driving all over the place trying to get in I'm so close glad to that, the trees. I'm so glad that you finally get well, this, because there were times last year where I think you thought that I was a crazy person, thinking, like, why are you mowing why that you way? Mow- <laughs> well, well, okay, but in my defense, you, I stick to sections. Mm-hmm. And I so I mow this set that I mow uh-huh. here I got up here I got but you mow everywhere at once I and do. so that which is even crazier it looking. is even crazier so I mow with sections crazy so I was finishing up yesterday's mowing and I it was the boring part where you go up the driveway on one side and down the driveway on the other yeah. when I finally got the idea that I need to put a camera on the on the lawnmower or on me somewhere a little GoPro then, yeah like a little GoPro and then speed it up because I think it would be kind of funny to see how crazy it is that the lawn gets mowed. Even if at fast pace, like for, for a couple of minutes, you watch this, you're like, really? People do this? But this is how it has to get done to make it look so nice. Well, we are uh, going to be able to, to put up more videos and photos after a lot of prompting from Larry and some other listeners. We do now officially have a Corny Goat Farm inst- uh, Facebook page. Yes, we do. I set it up last week. Um, I'm still working out the kinks. There's not much going on there. There's a couple of pictures of me and the pigs. So if you if you see this weird picture of this lady laying on her stomach talking to her hogs, yeah, that's that's the right <laughs> picture. You found the place. Um, so yeah, it, it should. I'm be proud fun. of taking that picture. That's a good picture. That was an awesome picture. Uh, but we will be putting up uh, more photos, more videos, and things like recipes, yep. tips. Uh, as a matter of fact, I gotta we're gonna take a, a time out here. But uh, when we come back, Miss E. It gave me the most amazing blast from the past 
uh, or this past weekend. It was just absolutely incredible. We'll talk about that. Uh, but uh, other farm updates. Everybody's doing well, actually. I mean, the chickens are all doing great. The the new ten new birds are fitting in. They're There's, they're starting to incorporate. They're starting to assimilate. They're the, still not yeah. laying anything yet. They're but. not. But they were just short of laying versus buying a bunch of chicks and having to wait twenty two weeks. Yeah, this is like a, a matter of a month or so. Um, but uh, they are getting used to it. Most of the time when I catch them in the coop, they're actually in a box. They're, like, hiding in the nesting boxes. I put extra poles in there over the weekend, um, extra extra um, nesting poles. But mm-hmm. it was only the one time that I saw that there were a couple of girls who were brave enough to get to the top level. <laughs> so, yeah, I think they'll get it. Well, where they were, the, the last farm that they were at, they, they didn't have uh, roosting poles. No, it was kind of like, it was it was, a, it was a, a humane setup, but it wasn't like a chickeny setup. There was... Was like buckets of water. There was a, a a tarp to cover. There was an opening for air, and there was uh, cattle panels on all sides. But it was they didn't have any roosting poles, and so I guess I don't know how they sleep. I I don't know. All our chickens have always been had to be up on something. Right. So maybe there was something I wasn't seeing. But yeah. But this is where he raised them from littles. And then he sold them when they got to a certain age. Yeah. So they don't, he was probably thinking they don't probably need roosting poles, but they're now, they're just getting the hang of it. Yep. So the new chickens are doing well. The uh, the goats are all doing great. We uh, we let them out of their enclosure yesterday, so they got to free range and nibble <laughs> on grass. And, and it's funny because. And, and get chased by you on the lawnmower. Right, because every time they saw me, they thought I was chasing them and they would run. So it'd be like, <laughs> they'd run in one direction and they'd run it. It was kind of funny to watch every once in a while. Thank goodness there's no babies, there's no milk issues, so nobody got. Uh, pregnant uh, during the last season because we had so much going on with dealing with cancer and and surgery and and chemo that the last thing I needed to worry about was getting having to have pregnant goats giving birth in the winter when I didn't know what was going to be happening. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The bacon seeds, the uh, baby bacon, uh, are all doing great. Yeah. And we're getting now they're getting to the age they're still nursing. They're 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 not weaned for another three weeks. Uh, it's been five weeks already. It's been five weeks. I yep. March, yeah. Well. Um, well, it's been four weeks, I guess, but uh, coming up on five, and it's now time. It's now time for the boys to get castrated, which means we have to catch them. We have at least four of the nine. Yeah, our, our little least, baby boys. At, at least. least four. I've caught four that at the same time. I've been able to eyeball. Four sets of boy parts. Yeah. So uh, here is the part of the podcast where we solicit advice from those who have caught baby pigs before because we've never actually done this. We've never had pigs from birth. We've always gotten weaned hogs that are a little bit older, and so we've never actually had to try to catch nine at a time. And even then, like, we have had... Our hog got pregnant, but she she went away. She got knocked up. She had her children there, and she came back with her kids at an older age so that, you know, so yes. yeah, we, didn't, we didn't have babies here so, on the farm. So, uh, and they're very, very skittish. We have uh, been able to lure them over to us using uh, carrots and apples that Missy e got. Yep. But as soon as you, like, reach out, man, they turn and run. Yeah. So I'm not quite sure how we're going to do this. I don't either. To be honest. But, but I we think, better figure it out soon. But I think that the more that they see us as food... Mm-hmm. And scratches, mm-hmm. the more they'll be inclined to come to us. And we still have to take it slow. That's going to be the hard part. We don't want to. No, you, you know, don't want to. Like, all of a sudden, reach out and try to snatch one. I don't want to. I don't want to snatch them until we're actually ready to put them in a crate and then, you know, snip them. So I just right now want to bring them in yeah. so they're used to us handling them, and then 
we'll grab them. So that's the uh, that's the goal of this week is to spend some quality time with the bacon seeds. Booker is also supposed to be coming back home, so we'll be spending some quality time with Booker as well. So though, but the, so it was funny though. I was at the grocery store getting groceries for us, and I, I the cashier noticed that I had like. One kind of carrot and another kind of carrot, and I had like up three different kinds of individual bags. But then I bought a big old bag sack of apples, uh-huh. and she was she kind of looked. I'm like, oh well, these are for the pigs and these are for the people. And she started laughing hysterically. <laughs> like I don't know if she's ever had somebody go through the grocery store and to buy pigs and to to buy pigs their own bag of apples and carrots, but. That was me. All right, well, you stick around. We're going to take a quick timeout, but we do have much more 40 Acres in a Fool coming up after a quick timeout here on the Blaze Radio Network. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. The progressive movement is full of lies. Why do Americans keep falling for the deception? In his new book, Liars, Glenn Beck reveals the simple answer, fear. At our most basic level, we're all afraid of something. And progressives exploit this by offering us solutions to our fears. Solutions based on lies and an unrelenting hunger for power and control. Understanding the roots of these lies is key to helping us stop the disease of progressivism. Liars by Glenn Beck. On sale now at glennbeck.com slash liars. Welcome back to 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. So I don't know if there is like one food or one dish or one taste that you remember from childhood that you haven't had in years. But for me, it's a Chinese food dish called shrimp with lobster sauce. Now, you can find this on almost every Chinese restaurant menu in the United States, but it's not the shrimp and lobster sauce that I had growing up. Actually, not even growing up, because I grew up in Oklahoma, but when we would go back to Massachusetts to visit, there was a Chinese food restaurant in Andover, Massachusetts called China Blossom, and that is where they made the best shrimp and lobster sauce, and it's shrimp, it's minced pork, there's no lobster in it. There's no lobster in it at all. No. And so I haven't had this. Maybe I've had it once in the past 30 years. I dream about this food. It is so good. And Missy made it for me this past weekend, and you nailed it. You nailed it. You got it perfect. It was amazing. And it was weird because it was like a strange – it was me hitting the table. Uh. It was a strange combination. It was um, – Stir the, kick, fry the shrimp. It was a minimal coating of you know the usual with Chinese gets. Um, um, it was coated with a little bit of soy sauce and a tiny bit of cornstarch, so they got a little bit of fry coat on them. But the sauce itself started with minced garlic and finely ground pork, and you cooked that it was till it was browned, and you added um, some water mixed with soy sauce with a little bit of sugar and something else. Not foreign crazy ingredients. Not mm-hmm. Anybody could make this. I mean, if you had ground pork, or if a couple of pork shops, you just threw them in the blender or in the food processor and ground the pork yourself, because yeah. one serving was a pound of shrimp and only a quarter of a cup of this uh, ground pork. And my brain was going, shrimp and pork? This is going to be <laughs> weird. Is this man right? And, and to be all, to, you were the one who sent me the recipe. Yes. I didn't find it because I had no idea about this childhood thing. But I was so perplexed and I was like, I followed the direction kind of exactly because there was kind of a, some confusion at one point in the in the directions. But 
Yeah, it. I was impressed. It was really a lot better than I thought it was going to be. It was really good. <laughs> it was no, it was fantastic. It, it was really good, but like the idea of shrimp with this, they're sautéed, fried, lightly shrimp at a wok with a little bit of oil, but then you're you're making this basically like a brown umami filled ground pork and garlic gravy mm-hmm. that is then you throw the shrimp back in. Yep, at the end. And you just put that all together and you put it over rice. With a, well, there's the last secret bit with, oh, the, yeah. with the drizzled beaten egg right. to get that sauce like creamy. It pulled it all together with a little bit of cornstarch and you poured it over the rice. And it really, really was good. Even uh, Kid uh, 3, and he has a very, he has a, he can try a lot of things and he seems to like a lot of different Asian foods. He's the kid who likes sushi and I didn't think he would because he has a sensory processing disorder. That's not Kid 3. That's Kid, kid 4, that, by kid the four, way. Kid 4. <laughs> kid 4. Kid, kid 3 missed it. Kid 4. See, this is me, though, that I'm I'm not, I'm trying to be good, you know, just using Yes, the, I know. But, Thank um, you. Uh, he loved it. He loved it so much that he had it uh, leftovers yesterday, it warmed up as a snack. Yeah. And I was really, I'm like, oh, another, di- another dish he'll eat that's right. you know, everyone else likes too. Like, ka-ching. Exactly. So I'm glad you liked it, but I'm, I'm also glad that he liked it too. Uh, everybody liked it. Yeah. I was, I was very pleased. So that will be going up on the uh, uh, Corny Goat Farm Facebook page. Yeah, once I make the corrections to the recipe, because the... the as it is written out, there was a mistake in what they referred to. Like, I'm looking through this recipe, I'm like, where does this ingredient come in? It's listed in the ingredients, but it's not listed in the directions. And I'm like, okay, this must be what it is, because that's the amount. Okay, let's fix this. So, yeah. <laughs> so, I, I'm curious if uh, if you, dear listener, have one of those like childhood foods that you haven't had in a while, that, you know, do you ever get those random cravings? And if you could have that dish back from your childhood, what would it be? This is also, uh, as we're recording this, this is Easter weekend, and, and this is, you know, growing up for me in Oklahoma, like, it wasn't a big holiday, but but for you, Missy, this was this was one of the biggies every year. Yeah, because... As um, far as family and culture and cause, tradition. Cause, yeah, because for me, it's more of a, it's a, it's more of a cultural holiday, because this was the weekend that we would always go up to upstate Pennsylvania to visit with my great aunt and uncle, who were on my dad's side of the family. Um, it's my dad's dad's brother and wife. They never had children, so they always treated all of us like they were our, they were you know, we we were their kids. Um, this is the place that we would have our Ukrainian Easter's, and it was you know we get up on Friday and it was you know fish on Friday night and you'd go to church on Saturday and you would take your Easter breakfast basket of goodies to the church Saturday night and you would have your your breakfast blessed. But it was so funny to me as a little kid because there were the kids in, in this town at this church brought their Halloween or Halloween Easter baskets with them. They brought their Easter and I was like, oh, how is it the Easter Bunny comes here and gives them all their baskets early? Because I was this was we went up when I was little yeah. too, and uh, I was a little annoyed by that because I always had to wait till Sunday to get my basket of candy, and here uh, all these kids were bringing their candy to get blessed by the and this was the Monsignor. Yeah, and then. Um, Easter morning, it was get up at the butt crack of dawn and go to church for like uh, three hours, and it was and it was it was Ukrainian Catholic, and so it was sit stand meal aerobics. Orthodox. It was it was Ukrainian Orthodox Catholic. Okay. Um, so which is different from Russian Orthodox and Russian Orthodox Catholic. Yeah. Like there's there's the Catholic element, but it's Orthodox Catholic. Okay. Uh, 
And so there's, you know, there's a lot of, but it was crazy. It was a great mass, but it was so long and, and it was all in Ukrainian as a kid growing up. But there are certain things that still stick with me and Siddick and learning how to make Siddick with uh, my great aunt Pearl, my chachi Pearl, and that's Polish. She was, she was my Polish aunt married to my Ukrainian uh, great uncle, uh, teaching me how to stir the Siddick and how slow okay, and so what, what it is, had to look first like. First of all, what is Siddick? Siddick is, is weird. Uh, you didn't like Siddick at first. Siddick was something you were like, I'm not too sure about this. Yeah, now I like it. But Siddick is, uh, it's basically, it's called, it's a Ukrainian egg cheese because it's the best and the closest approximation of any kind of adjective and noun description that you could possibly combine to make it make sense. But it's it tastes like hard-boiled scrambled egg. Mm-hmm. That's a good way to describe it. But it's made like cheese. But you take eggs and milk and you cook them ever so slowly and stir them ever so gently until it gets to a point where it looks like curds and whey. And the milk gets all absorbed by the proteins in the eggs and it's really a milky, thin... much thinner liquid and the eggs kind of come together in this yummy weird curd thing and we put it in cheesecloth and press it for a while and then it's just served cold but as a kid we'd always have it with my uh, grand aunt's the bread which is paska Mm -hmm. it's kind of like an egg bread like challah actually it's a lot like challah and uh, kielbasa and ham, and it was always really garlicky kielbasa. Really garlicky kielbasa. Like this is the best place uh, upstate. It's, I think it was actually in Dixon City. There was a butcher there that that made this kielbasa, and it's Pennsylvania. Okay. So it's the best kielbasa. And we, she would send us home with rings of it. This is the stuff that you would you would <laughs> you would carve off like little bits to make it last until the next holiday where you saw these people, so you could get another ring of kielbasa. I still have not gotten it right. I'm still, I'm still searching. That kielbasa is like my. What's your Moby Dick? It is. It's like that. Your white whale. My white whale. It's like that thing. (laughs) I'm still chasing after to get the right, the right taste, the right, the right texture, the right amount of garlic. Um, But yeah, so this, to me, uh, Easter is like food and culture, and it's it's not just the Easter Bunny coming and bringing candy. Although that's all we ate, did all day. We ate. Ukrainian food and candy all day. Yes, we had the Siddick. We had the uh, oh, and, and we had the the uh, uh, kielbasa. We had ham, uh, and you also make uh, bunnies. Yeah, because my pasca sucks. I mean, to be honest, like I've been not happy with how dense my pasca turns out a lot of times. So, but I know I make these bunnies. My mom made them uh, when I was a little kid. It's a sweet orange. Um, orange juice, orange peel flavored sweet dough, and it's almost like a, a Danish mm-hmm. in the in the doughish kind of thing. But it's uh, you shape them into swirls, and they look like bunnies. <laughs> and then you dip them into the glaze that's got um, confection of sugar, a little bit of orange juice, and some butter and some hot water. And then that's what it. So it's like a big yeast raised donut baked. Yeah, but sweet bread and. Oh, man. So, like, I don't know how many. I lost count of how many bunnies died today because <laughs> they were so, so good. There were a lot of them, but they're so good the first day because they're so fluffy and they're so warm and the sugar and the yum. But then when they're stale, which is going to be tomorrow because fresh baked goods, they're just when you do that. Yeah. Um, they're also really good dipped in your coffee because then they sweeten your coffee and then they absorb all the 
milky, creamy goodness of coffee. Yum. Yeah. And it's healthy because you've got the orange juice in it. Yeah. So there you go. But we also talked about using the leftovers to turn them into a bread pudding. I think that would be incredible. Kind of like our Not ten- that I need a bread pudding at the moment. Like but, our 10th uh, anniversary uh, white trash wedding party that made that Krispy Kreme Kreme donut bread pudding. Oh, man. That was so good. But I could do that with uh, the bunnies. I could totally do it with the big bunnies. You could do it with the big bunnies. All right, tell you what, we're going to take it to timeout, and when we come back, we've got more 40 acres and a fool. We've got to put another log on the fire, Uh, but we'll be back with more, so stick around. 40 acres and a fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Opelka with Michael Pelka. Tuesday, starting at noon Eastern. Of course, we're on top of the news, the headlines, whatever the hell is happening. But there's fake news, weird news, and a story that's just so freaking bizarre. I don't know how I'm going to completely explain it to you. And it comes from Delaware. How to prevent teen pregnancies? It starts with a robotic pelvis. I'll share the details. Be here. Forty Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards continues on the Blaze Radio Network. Still to come here on this edition of Forty Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network, we have your emails. The uh, email address is Forty Acre Fool at gmail.com. The snail mail address is Corny Goat Farm, P.O. Box eight one seven, Farmville, Virginia two three nine zero one dash. 0817. Look at you. You got all that <laughs> memorized. How about that? I'm impressed. I don't even remember our post office box. Though. On Instagram at Corny Goat Farm and at Cam Edwards on Twitter at Cam Edwards and uh, again our new Facebook page at uh, Corny Goat Farm as well. Oh, and Trent, uh, I am getting those tomatoes. Yeah, they're growing. I forgot to write down the name, so if you let me know again. <laughs> I, I have the name. Okay. It's, it's, Opolka it's in our, or Opolka or uh, a Pelka or Polka or something. It's Ope something. I yeah. can't remember. But yeah, they are growing. So they're one of the 27 that are going on. Yep. And uh, I'm drinking peach moonshine. So there you go. There, that's the clinking. That's the clinking. Yeah, usually it's my clinking. Tonight uh, it's your clinking. I know. Um, so what's amazing, though, is that we are literally on the same page this week because you and I, something that is rarely done in this house, we read the same book. Yeah, we. Uh, <laughs> it's 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 unbelievable. Like it was, it, I, I I'm still surprised. I read it today because I usually don't read nonfiction, and you hardly ever read fiction. Right. So the fact it's that already there, the Venn diagram woo, doesn't none cross, really right. wouldn't cross it too much. But this was an interesting book. I was really. Um, I, I was really it, it made me cry and it made me think of and appreciate and be glad that my grandfather and great grandfather left the country when they did. I mean they left and they came here. You okay, back up, hang on cuz you're talking about stuff people don't know. So first of all, the book is called Leap to Freedom. It's by a woman named Oksana Kasinkina who in 1948 uh jumped out of the Soviet consulate in New York City. Jumped out of the window. Because she was being held captive. Right. She was a, a Ukrainian. She was a Soviet citizen. Well, 
what passed. She was a comrade. Um, she wasn't a party member. She was not a party member, but she was uh, teaching Teacher. in the consulate school, and she was getting ready to have to go back to the Soviet Union. And she she jumped out of this window while there were hundreds of people who had gathered outside. And the reason why they had gathered outside is because they knew that she was basically being held against her will. She had left the uh, Soviet consulate uh, a few days earlier and then had dramatically been taken by the, the Soviets uh, from a farm in New York, brought back to New York City. Well, she wrote a letter. I mean, I think she was just really confused. Like, she wrote a letter saying, hey, I'm a good person, and I did all this because you guys were just driving me crazy with the with the spying and the persecution, and then they kind of took her against her will. But she never, she, she didn't want to go back to the Soviet Union. No, but it, it became public. It became public knowledge. And so it was, this was, you know, front page news for close to a week. And, and there was a an attempt to actually bring the Soviets into a U.S. courtroom yeah, to talk about violating Oksana Kasinkina's civil rights, uh, not as an American citizen, but as somebody who was here on American soil. And so this was a, a huge news story, and, and everybody's forgotten and, about it, and right? And it was like, historical because it was this whole, now, uh, writ of something that they... Habeas served, corpus. Writ of habeas. See, I was going to say it, but I was afraid I was going to get it wrong. So, yes, they, they, the, the United States government tried to serve this writ of habeas corpus on the Soviet to, to, to let her appear in court, to let her mm-hmm. tell her own story, and they weren't going to let her do it, and this was it was groundbreaking at the time for this to happen because we didn't do that for people and I think it was probably a lot to do with the movie that she went to go see that had happened. Another Soviet person defected rather dramatically and they made a movie about it and I think that's what gave her courage and was like, what am I, I, I yeah, I mean, but it's kind of crazy. So for me, like my family was, they, they left the Ukraine. My grand, my great grandfather left the Ukraine in the early 1900s. There's record of him going through Ellis Island. And he ended up in upstate Pennsylvania, and that's where my family, my, that part comes from. Mm-hmm. So that's where the Ukrainian in me comes from as uh, as a thing. But as a kid growing up, we would get letters with big black lines through them from the Soviet Union from the from the Ukrainians that were being living under the Soviet Union well they were in the, the Soviet Union well yeah. yeah because it was the it was the Ukrainian Union of Social blah, 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 you know whatever but they weren't like they were just made to be that way and like so things wouldn't come through the mail like they tried to send embroidered blouse and it was taken so instead they sent it by pieces mm. and so my aunt had this blouse that was made in the ukraine by the relatives and she gave me all the pieces and i put the blouse together oh, and wow. so i have the blouse i have a piece of embroidery uh we sent them like our family would send them two pairs of jeans and they would get one or we'd send money and they'd get some or we'd send money and they get nothing and they get some things and again the letters that came back <laughs> the weirdest thing though the weirdest for us was they take pictures at funerals of not of the people attending the funeral but of the person having the funeral in the funeral and so we would get a lot of letters from our relatives of and they would include pictures of people like one guy died from a cold and he didn't die from a cold but my great aunt has a an album <laughs> of these pictures and it's kind of the Victorian thing they used to take pictures of the dead so because a lot of times that was the only way they would get a, a, a memory of that person because mm-hmm. they, they didn't take a lot of photographs at the time they didn't do it so it's a pretty important occasion to have your picture made and 
even that so we have this that's the one that's the kind of thing I want to have that's the that's that and my great grandmother's spoon that I learned to make Siddick with okay because it it's it's this big Can silver talk about spoon the... <laughs> has a dent I know from the pot yeah I know I want those I know two you want those two things for my for my history yes I know I know in the meantime though did you like the book yeah, I did. I loved it and hated it at the same time. I just was like, wow, this is what some of my family had to go through. Yeah. it's. Uh, I got to tell you, I mean, it's a very fast read. It's out of print, unfortunately. Um, but, yeah. but You couldn't even edit in Goodreads if you tried. If you want to be cool and you want to be like, you know, hipster history person and read the books that, uh, that nobody reads anymore, like, you know, uh, you can find this relatively cheaply on uh, Abe Books or any other you know used book site, uh, you can find a copy hardcover, one of a dust jacket, but you know, for less than ten bucks, mm. and it's it, it is worth reading because it's a very gripping story. It's told very well. I don't know who her ghostwriter was, but I'd love to know. Well, it says it was written by her and translated from the Russian. Okay, well maybe maybe it she was. She was a teacher. I know, I know, but oftentimes uh, back then there were. Uh, 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 ghost writers who would, you know, even back then, who would help write this stuff, and they didn't oh, yeah. always get credit. There was I'm a guy named Isaac Don Levine who worked with a lot of people who, uh, a lot of Soviets who, who defected at the time, and he was a journalist, and he would sort of, you know, uncredited uh, help with uh, with some books. He did that with Walter Gravitsky's In Stalin's Secret Service, which is another one that I want well, to read. Maybe that's the guy that we should be looking for to figure out where this other teacher went, because there was that there was that other teacher that she didn't realize it but she tried to leave the same day that he and took his family and his twin children mm-hmm. and you were saying that you would look for him but you couldn't find him and I said well he probably changed his name to dissolve into the American yeah and I don't know if he uh, and that's the thing like Oksana Kasinkina died in 1960 so she had she had she lived 12 years in the United States she lived 12 years under freedom she lived 52 years uh, under com- well, not no. 52 years under communism, but she lived 52 years in the Soviet Union. Yeah, because she wasn't a child of the revolution. She right. was an adult when it all happened, so she remembers when it didn't suck. Yeah, she lived like 30 years under the Soviet Union yeah. from the get-go, and then she lived her out, out the last of her life in the United States and passed away in 1960. But another teacher uh, in that consulate school and, and, uh, and his wife also defected at the same time. Leo Tolstoy's daughter yeah. had oh. a, a farm... In New York, that was basically for Russians who defected. Yeah. Um, which people I never, after, again, like all I, this you stuff you never about, know, right? right? So the people after the first war, and a lot of the like the Ukrainians had left when the when the when the Russians tried to take over Ukraine. Like, yeah, it's that's it's like this crazy, interesting bit of of my kind of my family's mm-hmm. history that I yeah. So I read that book today, but yeah, it was totally that. We both read the same. You're book. getting a phone call, and we need to take a time out. Oh, so they changed our mind anyway. But <laughs> we probably should take a. So there you go, Oksana Kasinkina, uh, Leap to Freedom is the name of the book. You can look it up. You can find hopefully a used copy somewhere. But if you're looking for that, you know, Soviet defector story and fighting communism from the 1950s. If you're a fan of the Americans, you want to go back to the the original days of the uh, the the first defectors. Well, actually, the first defectors were in the 1920s and the 1930s. But the uh, uh, you know the the Eisenhower era and a lot of these individuals like Hosanna Kasinkina and Viktor Kravchenko and Walter Kravitsky uh, and Arthur Kessler, like 
these individuals kind of helped jumpstart the modern conservative movement with their anti-communism. It was such a huge part of the conservative movement in the early days that uh, that these are sort of the forgotten, some of the forgotten founders of conservatism. But uh, but there you go, Oksana Kasankina and Leap to Freedom. We're going to leap away from the smoke because we just had a wind shift here. But we've got one more segment. Missy's running away. Run away, Missy, run away. We'll be back with more 40 Acres and a Fool coming up right after this. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-803-6951. Welcome back to 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. So, now is the time on 40 Acres and a Fool when we do emails and dance like we're on sprockets. Oh, I wish you could see Missy right now. Sorry. That was the worst robot ever. It was the worst sprocket invitation ever. <laughs> now is the time on Kunigat Farm on me sprocket. So, uh, Jeanette wrote in and says, uh, Cam and Missy, congratulations on your 100th episode. It's so wonderful to hear Missy is doing so well. It is, isn't it? Uh, thank you, Jeanette. Jeanette says, a couple episodes ago, you and Missy were talking about how far west the Civil War took place, and I had just finished reading Rebels on the Rio Grande, the Civil War journal of A.B. Petticolis, who was part of General Henry Hopkins Sibley's Texas Brigade, which moved from San Antonio, Texas, to Franklin, Texas, which is now El Paso. I see. There's, well, we, a, we there's knew, a history fact. Well, we knew that there were, there were Civil War in Texas because we had read the story about the reason that there were camels in Texas. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know that El Paso was once called Franklin, Texas. I didn't know that either. Uh, anyway, Shibley's Texas Brigade marched into the New Mexico Territory, where they met up with Lieutenant Colonel John R. Baylor's Confederate Territory of, Ar- uh, of Arizona's artillery battery and advanced up the Rio Grande, defeating Union soldiers from Fort Craig at Valverde, south of Socorro, New Mexico, and then took Albuquerque. General Sibley remained in Albuquerque, while Petacolis' division veered east through Tejeras Canyon and moved along the Turquoise Trail through the mining towns of Golden and Madrid... Spelled like Madrid, but pronounced Madrid, with the ultimate objective to take Fort Union in northeastern New Mexico, uh, a, a vital military and trade outpost on the Santa Fe Trail. Well, they never made it that far, says Jeanette, as a division of Union troops from Colorado cut off their supply train in the Battle of Glorieta Pass, about 40 miles east of Santa Fe. Anyway, she says, Pedicola's journey through New Mexico to Glorieta was between February and June of 1862, and his descriptions of my home state... During this time are exactly why spring is my favorite season. He writes about snow and rain and mud, of course, but one of his biggest complaints is wind, creating dust storms, he says, were equal to or worse than the Sahara Desert. Mm. Personally, says Jeanette, I just call spring out here real estate exchange season, which means whatever seeds I try to plant may pop up somewhere in Texas, (laughs) but not in my backyard due to our 50-mile-an-hour-plus spring breezes. The fruit trees are beautiful when they're blooming, but that usually only lasts a day or two before the blooms are blown off. I was going to say the flowers get blown off real quick when it's windy. 
Jeanette says, wow, I thought Oklahoma City was windy. <laughs> Where do you think the wind comes from? Yeah. Uh, however, Jeanette says, I did discover this week the mint that I thought died from the winter before last freeze is alive and well. It just moved itself from the pots that I had planted it in to a feeble flowering bush in front of my back I was porch. I say, mint can be invasive, so watch out for that. A uh, freeze from last week, though, has made my green onions kind of sickly looking, and my basil pot has a sprig of something green, but I can't tell if it's actually a basil sprout or a weed. We have some basil growing in the greenhouse. We do. We have a lot of like, basil. It could growing. look like weeds, though, but yeah, we finally have some growing in the greenhouse. Jeanette says one thing I will not have last year, which or this year, which I had a voluntary bumper crop of last year, is well, hairball seeds, kittens. <laughs> I like, I like. <laughs> I like hairball seeds, I like Jeanette. hairball seeds. That's really cute. <laughs> she says, last spring and summer, our backyard has been invaded by cats. Oh. She says, I was used to our yard being the neighborhood feline safe zone. We're the only house in a section of our subdivision that doesn't have a dog. And oh, while we have a okay. cat, he's strictly an indoor cat. And since we never did get rid of a pile of sand that we had used when we were putting a brick trim around our flagstone patio, it had become the community cat pan, right? Yeah. She says, but there was an unfixed female from a couple of houses down, which brought her first litter of kittens over to our backyard two years ago to train them. Literally. I'd watch her teach them how to use that sand pile, how to get water from the leaking sprinkler head in our little lawn patch, how to fight, and how to hunt lizards. I called her mama two spots since I never knew her name. I never fed her, never interacted with her, but I didn't mind her coming over with her kittens and actually found it quite entertaining. And then last spring, four of Mama Two Spots female kittens were old enough to create kittens of their own. Oh, my God. One of which did so right under our silverberry bush next to our back door. On July 4th weekend, there was a kitten palooza in my backyard. I stopped counting and trying to name them when I reached 15. Oh, no. When I walked out back, my globe willow tree was alive with kittens climbing and jumping around. They were romping around my lawn and having conversations with my cat through a vent in the garage. I even watched them one night when I was sitting on the back porch come up with a game that involved me unintentionally on my part, uh, one of the older of the bunch, mind you, only older by a few days, lined up with a group of younger hairball seeds along the edge of the lawn, but facing me, and then one by one, a kitten would come stalking up to the porch, get about two feet from my chair, and then dash away. And they would rejoin their leader and roll and wrestle around in the grass. However, in mid-September... It was like that. It was like the little fish from the Finding Nemo. Yeah, right? I dare you to touch the butt! <laughs> the boat. Right. But, but yeah, that's funny. I dare you to go near the part the human. Jeanette says, however, in mid-September, someone in the neighborhood called Animal Control, and I swear every single cat that wasn't inside a house was scooped up and taken away. Aww. Our sand pile has so little activity since then, there are now weeds growing in it, says Jeanette. Well, <sighs> Jeanette, I guess that's a good thing, though. you got to be careful of that many unneutered cats. I suppose. Although in New Mexico it helps keep the hantavirus down because they go after the the mice uh, which carries the hantavirus. Yeah, but I don't so. think 15 would be good. Maybe one or two. Like, I've thought about having a couple of... Fic- if, if we could find... The problem is is that when you go to these events where people are adopting out cats, they don't want to know that you're going to leave them in the yard. That's true. I want just barn cats. That is true. I'll give them a little place to be outside but they would totally be an outside cat because you're really crazily allergic yeah to i am super allergic and to we cats. have hardwood floors and that would never fly yeah so uh larry wrote in he says um I have a- oh larry larry loves it <laughs> when larry's on larry actually larry's larry stacy loves it when we talk about larry well larry has a cument a question slash comment okay he says every year i hit you up about this time for a possible donation from the nra for our fundraiser for the battered women's shelter wish house but this year, I was more than a little reluctant, since having become a fan of not just Cam and Company about six years now, but also 40 Acres and a Fool and Miss E, I don't want you thinking any negative, uh, but nothing venture, nothing gained. Do you think the NRA would be willing to donate a range bag or two, or even a few hats? 
Heck, it'd be a coup for me to pull off a membership. If you're willing to check, that'd be amazing. Thank you for your time, says Larry. Well, Larry, listen, I can tell you what, buddy. You know I, you do the memberships. Yes. Yeah. I, I will I will make sure. Uh, I will send you an email, Larry, and I'll make sure that you get something. All right? Uh, even if uh, it has to be a, a purchase here, we will donate something. Corny Goat Farm will donate something for this auction for you, for the Wish House, okay? Because that is a fantastic cause, helping out women. the auction. Uh, Larry doesn't say, but uh, I imagine it'll be coming up here before long. Well, I don't have time to knit a blanket, I guess. You don't have time to knit a blanket, no. <gasps> oh, but But you maybe know some what? hats. Well, I was going to say, I could probably knit up a quick couple of hats, but I have that, I have that, I have that corny goat doll. Mmm. And she could knit a bottom. Yeah. Uh, she's not really dressed, uh, but it's hand-knit, handmade. It's a little crazy-looking goat kid. It looks like a little baby doll that's <laughs> half goat. Uh, I was trying to come up with a doll line, but I could. She might fit into one of the old doll dresses that I made for Kid Five. And okay, well, I'll tell you what. We'll we'll check it out, Larry. Yeah. But uh, but you will get something, buddy. Yeah. I appreciate it, and uh, we'll be sending an email, sir. Thank you very much for writing in, and thank you for for doing what you're doing. Uh, Greg also wrote in, he says, I must join the ranks of those who apologize for not writing after, even after you specifically said to do so. Oh, you don't have to apologize. No, you, you absolutely do, Greg, but it's accepted. (laughs) The apology is accepted. (laughs) That being said, says Greg, I must admit to geeking out a bit when you read my last letter on the podcast a few months ago. Okay, more than a bit. Regarding waving to strangers, he says, I grew up in West Texas. That was considered perfectly normal. I did that today, by the way. I took a little drive through our county just to explore a little bit, and I made sure that... So I noticed, first of all, that I don't usually keep my hands on 10 and 2. A lot of times I keep my hands down below at, like, roughly, let's say, 8 and 4. Well, that's Uh, the new thing, because we have a kid in... We were teaching to drive. Yes. And that's where the airbag-safe place to put your hands is now. Yeah, but I made sure... Sure, that I waved. I did the finger up off of the uh, steering wheel so that people could see me, and I did that today. I was very proud of myself. Uh, uh, Anyway, Greg says, uh, another thing urban folks don't understand is the dust in the air at planting and harvest time. Mm. I've also heard of people refusing to believe that the Llano Estacado of West Texas in eastern New Mexico is actually that flat. Trust me, it is, says Greg. Man, if it, yeah, I've seen, I've seen... The okay, I've seen flat parts of Oklahoma, uh-huh. and I've seen Abilene, Abilene's and, and driving flat. from Oklahoma to Abilene, and I have to say that that is some of the flattest, most unattractive land I've ever seen. <laughs> but there's, but then again, I don't. I think there are parts of like. Arizona that just look like a Mars. Like I'm like I know I you're, not a, you're not you're not a no fan. Trees. I don't get it. Uh, Greg says regarding the barter system, it's very much alive and well among the online crafting community, particularly the geek craft community. And speaking of geeks, says Greg, thanks for speaking up for us on the recent segment of Cam and Company about Marvel Comics when you admitted to playing Dungeons and Dragons back in the day. <laughs> I'm not a role player, but I do appreciate the Greek solid the geek solidarity. I, I tell you what, Greg, he has it here where he's still trying to pull the kids in. I do. He's got them. He's got some other. It's not quite, but we. No, I've got Dungeons and Dragons. But Kid Four has expressed an interest in the pencils and paper version of the we're going to we're going to do that yeah. and and one day I will tell the story Greg of how I as a young child during a game of Dungeons and Dragons made a Hollywood actor 
future Hollywood actor at the time, uh, uh, spurt hot chocolate out of his nose. Uh, but it will not be tonight. Greg says... Um, ah, I remember that It story. will not be tonight. Yes, you do know that story, because we've been married 20 times, or yeah. 20 years. You, uh, 20 you, times! 20 times. <laughs> 20 times we've been married. 20, 20 years. Only if we renew it every year. We haven't done that at all. So We haven't, but we're going to renew it this year. It feels like it's been 20 times, it I guess, does, right? It does, right? Wait a minute. Uh, there's a lot of... We were listening what was that to, song that you said? Huey Lewis in the News. Happy I, to be happy stuck to with you. Stuck yes, with don't you. sing it. We'll get in trouble. There's a lot of swapping of crafted materials, says Greg, often of a geeky nature. For example, someone will swap a knitted hat, a favorite character wore for a bag that looks like a spaceship. Crafter.org has frequent organized swap events based oh, on various yeah, yeah. themes. I used to be on Crafters. And thus, our living room wall sports various embroidery hoops featuring the Hobbit, Firefly, etc. It's great for those who can do one craft or medium but not another. Uh, Greg also says, since you previously liked uh, mentioned liking restaurant recommendations, when you are in Atlanta, I would recommend the Chick-fil-A Dwarf Houses. What? Basically, Greg says, they're a normal uh, Chick-fil-A without a playground, plus a diner. The Chick-fil-A section has the normal menu and fast food experience. The diner section has booths and counter seating as well as an expanded menu. Outside of Atlanta? Yeah. They get creative with the Chick-fil-A ingredients, remixing them into other recipes, but there's still more. They have several items that you can't get at a normal Chick-fil-A. But like the carrot salad that they stopped making because that's my favorite. Including the discontinued coleslaw, which is probably... And a hamburger. <gasps> yes, the Chick Fil A cows must be disposing of their enemies because of the dwarf houses. You can get a cheeseburger. I've had several of them. Oh says my Greg. Goodness. You can get a steak too, but I did not enjoy it at the time that I ordered it. The hot brown is good as well. Be sure to duck if you use the dwarf door. There are still a dozen or so of them around the Atlanta metro area, but the original is still in Hapeville, just north of the airport. Isn't that where the NRA annual meeting is? It is this so year, yes. you can eat there and report back to me, and if I ever go to the my mother's ship down near that area. Yes. Well, yes, you can go. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Greg says it's open 24 hours. So. Oh Oh, well. How about that? In case you need to get your... Well, that will work for you for the uh, annual meeting because you are so crazy busy during the day. I am, yes. Uh, Greg says, speaking of Atlanta, we took your advice to heart. We've decided to attend this year's NRA annual meeting. Yay, Greg! Oh, nice! Flight, hotel, rental car are all booked. We can't wait. Looking forward to seeing as many exhibitor booths as I can and maybe watch Cam and Company as it's recorded. Greg says, though, I must confess, we're not going to be there on Sunday. Like many DFW residents... We will. Uh, we have our Six Flags season passes. They're good at all the parks, and Six Flags Over Georgia is calling my name. We've only been to the two parks in Texas, and this is a perfect chance to visit the Georgia one. And it seems oh, like a good go. compromise yeah, since yeah, Six yeah. Flags is only open weekends this time of year, right? Yeah, well, no, you got it. That's a perfect. That sounds like a perfect vacation. Yeah, absolutely, it does. Greg, I'm looking forward to seeing you in a couple of weeks, buddy. Thank you. For writing in with the recommendation, I'm going to have to try one of the Dwarf House Chick-fil-A while I'm down there. That is so cool. I appreciate I, I, that. Now I need to ask a coworker. Yeah, definitely. Uh, also, uh, hearing from our friend Sean in Tahlequah, Oklahoma at Pecan Grove Farm and Gardens. He says they are in the middle of kitten palooza as well. Some oh, hairball seeds deep. popping up in Tahlequah. Bacon seeds are better. They taste better, <laughs> by the way. Sean says both of our barn cats had kittens over the weekend. Uh-oh. It's a welcome sight, he says. We have so many mice, rats, and bugs here. Our two kitties, Oreo and Cookie, are keeping great are great at keeping the rodent population at bay. And now with the addition of seven more, we should be safe from intrusion. Oh man, I gotta tell you, Sean. Yeah, we're talking about mice. We need to put a cat in our walls. 
We have. Yeah, but that would be illegal and not nice and unethical. <laughs> so don't even go there with that. Go, go forward with we your conversation. We have mice in our walls, and they're 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 in our bathroom walls. I can yeah, hear but you them. You know what? They're not really anywhere else. And no, they I know. Don't. They're in the pantry, but they're not smart enough to eat any of the boxed or bagged food. Every once in a while, they get into a bag of potato chips. Yeah. But for the most part, they just find shelter in the house. They drive me crazy that I can hear them in the walls. We put this this, like ultrasonic stuff, like you plug it in. We have four plugs. And it gives a sound that's supposed to drive them away. Which is funny because the dogs don't seem to be affected by it They're not. But the, uh, well, there are the mice because they're still in the walls. Anyway. Well, it said there would be a week or so before the activity lessened as I they know. find new places to live. I'm not holding my breath about this. I think it's another newfangled thing, but I, I don't care. They're not in my pantry. No, they're not. They're so in our walls all, in the bathroom. Right. Whatever. They're in the walls in the bathroom. <laughs> all right. So Sean says, um, we do intend to have the kid in the spade. We wanted to have at least one litter each to, to help keep up the farm. Gotcha. And another reason Sean says we're glad to see the new birth is because, sadly, we had to put our dog down on Friday. Oh. He was a great Pyrenees. He was a good dog, but he had an issue, which we've been told is not too uncommon among large breeds. He grew at such a rapid speed that his brain grew faster than his skull could keep up, which can cause erratic behavior. Oh, wow. I've only heard of, like, uh, larger breeds with hip and joint issues, never with brain issues. I'm I know. so sorry. Sean says our neighbor, who's a veterinary system, was telling us about it. At any rate, he tried to attack both my wife and my brother-in-law, so we had to get rid of him. Oh, we didn't feel it was safe to take him to the pound and burden a new no, with no, this issue. No, no, that's, no. Needless to say, says Sean, it was a sad day for all. It is a sad day, that Sean. Is. That's never a good thing. No. You have to lose a dog. We, we still miss, we, we didn't technically lose Booker. And he was an asshole when he lived here, but... We, <laughs> and he's coming still, back? And he's coming back, but we really miss him. But, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry, but, Sean. But we, that sucks. But we lost, we lost a dog. We lost we lost Barney. Barney had a, a, a seizure problem that even though we moved out here and he loved living on the farm, he had a... It, it, it ended up being that we had to, we had to put him down. Yeah. Sean says, uh, on a more upbeat note, we have peas, beets... Garlic, cabbage, cauliflower, broccoli, tomato plants starting to pop up in our gardens. We also have our wonderful mint bed making its return. And Sean says, I would like to send you some of my wife's fruit punch mint tea. Would Miss E consider a barter for some hot sauce? Heck it's a, yeah. It's a combination. I, I, oh, look, I even said heck. <laughs> I know. Good job. Since you just dropped an asshole the other day. Uh, it's a combination of lemon, or no, the other day. No, the the minute. other minute. Yes. It's a, uh, you, you probably did drop one the other day, no, too. No, it's funny. Uh, no, but, okay, so, yeah, finish this statement. because. Yes. Sean says it's a combination of lemon balm, orange mint, chocolate mint, apple mint, mojito, peppermint, catnip, and bee balm. He says it tastes just like fruit punch with a hint of mint. Heck, sounds interesting. Yeah, I'll take some. I will totally trade a bottle of hot sauce. All right, Sean. So, yes, I'll send you an email. We'll get your uh, snail mail address, and uh, we'll put a bottle of hot sauce in the so, mail to but you. A, but a quick aside about language. So Yes, ma'am. One of our very, uh, Larry, of all people, yes. had commented and, and, and said something, and he then his second comment, sorry for the language. I'm like, dude, you don't, you don't listen to the podcast? You don't, <laughs> you don't read my post? What the bleep? And it was kind of funny that, yeah. 
I always feel weird about that. I, I talked about that with Julie Gunlock. No, no, no. Because we do the uh, Bespoke Parenting Hour podcast together. And, like, look, it's just been drummed into me since I started in radio. You don't You curse. don't curse anywhere near a microphone. No. Even when the microphone's off, you don't curse anywhere near the microphone. Because you be don't. On. Exactly. Well, I, I, I wasn't raised and that now, way. And now... And I well, I know you weren't raised that way, and now broadcasters aren't raised that way. No, now not. and podcasters certainly aren't raised that no. way. But I still feel weird saying bad words in front of a microphone, which is fine because I'll still drop the f bomb. But it was funny <laughs> that Larry said sorry for the language because I had to like just outlaw outright guffaw back at him on Instagram. Like, are you, are you have you not heard our podcast? He's like, yeah. well, I, yeah, I, I hear you. And, and he said something about, wait, so this is telling because he said something about listening to you on your show. Yeah. And you said something about getting, drinking and getting into a swear fest with somebody. And I said, well, the only person I can think of that maybe that could happen would be Charles. But then he mentioned another name. No, I don't think it was Charles. I think it was probably Kurt Schlichter. Oh, so it wasn't either one of the names that I thought or he thought. So it probably would have been (laughs) Kurt. Yes. Yeah. All right. Finally, uh, last email from Michael in Michigan who says, uh, this mold house reminded me of my sister-in-law and her husband's home. It's not 200 years old. It's not even two months old. They built a new house in a brand new neighborhood. Don't even have an address yet, really. But this week, he says, my sister-in-law were getting the uh, she was getting the girls ages two and seven ready for school and daycare. Hubby's already at work. She's doing laundry. Had just finished a bath for the youngest, and suddenly there was water everywhere on the first floor down to the basement. Oh shit! She oh. freaked out. Called her hubby. You called the builder. Still building houses in the area. Plumbers were called. Flood recovery was called. City came out. Huge holes were dug in the brand new yard. Turns out the builders kind of forgot to connect the pipe coming out of the house to the sewer line. Oh, my gosh. Thankfully, says Mike, (laughs) the toilet waste didn't back up into the house. Oh, because that's a, yeah. Yeah, but the wash slash bath water was enough to wreck the brand new carpets and drywall. There were boxes in the basement because they're still moving in. Oh, man. Mike says, uh, it's not just 200-year-old houses that offer those surprises. 200-hour-old homes have them too. Um, oh, Mike. Listen, I, I, I'm thinking good thoughts for your sister-in-law and your brother. I feel so bad. We have we have one <coughs> bathroom. It seems to have dried out. I think the issue is just behind the baseboard, but dang. Yeah. Dang. Oh, my blog. Mike says, uh, our home was built in 1910, so only 100 years old. The first winter went well, other than the box elder bugs invading, which is a problem all over our village, apparently. Uh, yet, he says, I have some basement work to do, cementing in stones, and a garage that likes to flood every time it rains, but, Sounds knock on like wood, no oldest. disasters. Sounds like my oldest son's apartment, so yeah. Yeah, well, Mike, listen, uh, I hope that your home continues to be disaster-free for the next hundred years. We'll knock on this wood over here. There you go. All right, well, our fire is dying out, and the uh, hour is growing late, so we should probably say goodbye for a week or so. Well, we have an action list, though, so I have to post the recipe for... For shrimp and lobster sauce. Shrimp and lobster sauce. Yep. And if anybody's interested, let me know if you want to have the recipe and the method for the bunnies. Yes. If you want a bunny recipe, we should probably put that up as well. Yep. Because even if it's not for Easter, it's for springtime. 
It could be chaped into anything. It's bread. It's sweet. But it's, it's you can yummy have bunnies in, in spring. You can have yeah. bunnies in the springtime. Yeah, and uh. rather have the yeast bunnies than real bunnies because when people adopt real bunnies at Easter, bad things happen. That's so true. don't well, bring they, your unless you're going to eat your bunnies that you adopted at Easter. Don't bring your. I was going to say eventually they get turned into rabbit pot pie. All right, that is going to do it for this edition of Forty Acres and a Fool here on the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you so much again for being a part of the program this week. The email address one more time: it is forty acre fool at gmail.com. That is four zero acre fool at gmail.com oh but what's the snail mail address? the snail mail address is corny goat farm p.o box 817 farmville virginia 23901-0817 you're good thank you very much on facebook now at, at corny, corny goat, goat farm. farm on instagram at corny goat farm and at cam edwards on twitter at cam edwards as well until we talk again be safe have fun live a little learn a lot read a book or two and give you uh one to Couple. check out <laughs> via the used books. And we'll see you here soon with another edition of 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. This is 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network.